We don't like change. We like our stuff the way it is. Don't move that. That's my favorite spot for that. Now, I'll admit, there are times I have places that I keep things sometimes that may not be logical to my wife, and I hate it when I go, and she's been cleaning, and where I left it, that's not where it's at. But if I'm honest, many times where she moved it is probably logically better than where I had it. So we tend to want... We tend to want him to change the things that we dislike, but what truly needs to be transformed, we say hands off. Now, this morning, I I am probably going to step on a few toes. This week, as I was going through, my mind went to Jeremiah chapter 18, and we we know Jeremiah was a prophet to to the Israelites that was this. His, his span of ministry, the, the book of Jeremiah, covers about a 40-year period of time. And it was penned in approximately 626 B.C. And he was a prophet to the nation. That, and the time that he was a prophet and prophesied spanned over five kings. That means they were turning over kings pretty rapidly at times. And so Jeremiah is a great book to, to get into and read and, and see what God spoke in his life. But one of the most famous ones is Jeremiah chapter 18. If you begin at verse 2, he gets a message from the Lord. And the Lord says to him, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Let me know that we need to hear his words. But the thing that I love about this is God directed Jeremiah to go to a place of a local craftsman where he was working, and he, and he made pottery, and he said, go there, and I will speak to you. Now, first of all, what I love about this story is that he was obedient, and he went there. How many times are, are we as people, God says, do this or do that, and go to this place and I will speak to you, do this, and go, I've got a place, a special place, I want to meet with you, and sometimes we almost have that too, well, Lord, you can speak to me right here. He can, but when he speaks and he gives you instructions, we need to follow and obey, and I love that Jeremiah did exactly what he said, and he went to the potter's house and he began to watch. You know, there, he said, go there and I will speak to you. This parable contains several important principles that apply to God's work in our lives today. But first of all, I want to start out with some very praiseworthy things. He is a God. We need to praise the fact that he is a God of invitation and he invites us to meet with him in our lives. We can stop right there. There is so much that is praiseworthy right there. I mean, just think the God that invented the universe, the God that spoke it all into existence at times will speak to us as individuals and say, I want to meet with you. Why would we ever have the audacity to say not right now? He invites us to hear his words. And sometimes he does things in our lives because his purpose is he wants us put he wants to move us he wants to put us into a place where we can hear. 
That's one of the reasons we even have things like summer camps for the youth and kids because there's something about getting them out of their environment and getting them somewhere else where some of the distractions can be put aside and they can focus on God and God can speak to their lives. Sometimes we as adults struggle with the idea of pushing aside the distractions, pushing aside the everyday things and going to a place where we can meet with God and He can speak. He longs to speak to us about change and transformation into the things of His will. He longs to mold us into what He truly wants us to be because He does, believe it or not, know best. So I decided, what can I, how can I boil all that I'm talking down to one thought that we can remember this morning? This is what I settled on. We say we want a hands-on God but we tend to dictate too many areas as hands-off. We're all guilty of that. I don't care who you are, where you've been, how long you've been following God. We, we will say, Lord, I need you to come. I need you to be hands-on in this situation. And God begins to work and do something. We're, oh, but don't touch that. How in the world is he supposed to be a hands-on God in our situation if we won't let him touch it? And here's the other thing. If he touches it, it's not going to stay the same. What we should be doing is we should be praying, Lord, help me to meet you where you are. Will you call me to meet? Let me meet you there. Let me to meet you in my worship. Let me meet you in my ministry. Let me meet you when I work to meet the needs of others. Yesterday, as we were at that outreach and I had the opportunity to pray with some people, I was like, you know... It's okay if I'm honest, right? The alarm went off on a Saturday morning, and I did not want to get up that early. I thought, it's a pretty good drive over there from here. How many know what I'm talking about? And I was like, but I need to go. I need to, so I made myself get dressed and do it. So I went. You know what I've discovered, though? When you do those things in obedience, you're so glad you're there. And to get to pray with people that responded and see the desperation in their faces, to see the tears begin to flow, to see God touch them. One lady I, I prayed with, whose late, her name was Paula, and she had her kids with her and her family, and we began to pray, and she began to pour out some of those things that were going on in her life, and I began to pray with her, and I'm not going to get into details, but one of the things I told her, I said, you know what? I said, do you have a body of believers that you're connected to that could be there for you on an ongoing basis? And she said, no. And I said, well, we're a little far. I said, we're here helping today from Rockwall. But I said, these people that do this Dallas Metro ministry, I've known them well, and I've known their director for decades upon decades. I said, you can trust them, and they will be there for you. They've got a location that they meet and have church literally five minutes where we was at. I said, get connected with them. I challenge you to follow this up by getting connected with them. You know, there is something about we're about his business. We should all be praying that he gets that he gets involved in our lives and those things that we get out into the community and use it uh, uses us. We must meet him because here's the thing: we must meet him where he is actively working. 
So many times we're like, God, I want you to come and I want you to move in this area. And it's okay to ask for those things. But sometimes we need to say, you know what? Holy Spirit, where are you working? What are you doing? Where is the place where there's the activity of God that is so clearly happening that I can go and be a part of it? And so we've got to be a people that are like that. And so when God is calling you to meet with him on his terms, not yours, go and be a part of it. You know, but here's the thing. God gave us our will. And we have choices. And many times we, there are those moments that we, that we have a choice to participate in what he's doing or a choice to sit on the sidelines. All throughout Scripture, we see story after story where people's decisions affected the outcome and the fulfillment of blessing in that moment. How many times did he say, if you will do this, I will pour out blessings, but if you do this, here's the consequence. And so many times we want his hand on our lives, but we don't follow through with the things that he desires for us to do. The more we allow him, the more these people in Scripture allowed him to mold them, the better off they were. The less they allowed him to mold him, the worst. So who are we to say, Lord, come and be a hands-on God, but don't touch that? Let's look a little further at what Jeremiah was saying. Verse 3 and 4. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that, was, that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. You see, Jeremiah showed up ready to listen. And he sees this lesson being played out right before him. He sees the potter at work. And the potter, is, as he watched, he formed this, this jar or whatever he was making. And he began to make it. And all of a sudden, it reached the point where he realized, you know what? This isn't quite going to come out like I wanted and desired for this to come out. So you know what I need to do? I need to break it back down and start over. Now think about that. He was forced to apply enough pressure to completely remake it. See, God, we know the story. I, think, I don't think it's any, any grand news to you, but God is the potter that is working at the will, and he delights placing his hands on us. When we say, Lord, I want you to be hands-on in this situation, he doesn't say, no, I don't think so. He's looking for that invitation. When we say, Lord, here I am, come remake me, remold me, put your hands and be active in my life. He's like, I've been waiting for you to ask. And he comes in and he will put his hands on. And when you're the clay, you have no idea of what he's capable of transforming you into. Rewind three decades and I never would have thought I'd be standing right here right now. I didn't even like speaking in front of people. But here's the thing. Though it's uncomfortable, we all should desire to, to be placed on the potter's wheel. Sitting there in submission. I mean, can you just imagine yourself? Once you get this image, imagine yourself as being that lump of clay that's just wet and there's all kinds of potential there, but right now it's just kind of ugly blob. 
He begins spinning. He begins working. I've never, you know, the couple of times I dabbled in trying to do something in pottery as a kid, it did not look very good. So it's not like I'm any kind of expert in this whatsoever. But I've seen enough to know that there's a process where somebody that that knows what they're doing begins to put their hands on there, begins to form, begins to make something. And it's not long. You may not know what it's going to be, but it's not long before that lump of clay begins to look like something instead of a lump of clay. But it's a process. It's a transformation that takes place. And he begins to put pressure into places. As it sits there in submission to what he's doing and where he applies the thumb, there's a change that begins to take place. Everywhere he puts the pressure, it begins to be transformed. And it's amazing sometimes the beauty that can come from those lumps of clay. But the clay has to sit there in submission, and we struggle with that. But I've come to this conclusion what's the alternative? It may not feel good when he begins to put pressure in Samaria. It may not feel good when he begins to work on us, begins to apply, begins to make things. And, and you know, because we've never been made that way before. And there's a little discomfort that takes place in that process. And we may complain a little bit. And we may face something. But I've, I've, all, I've come to this conclusion, what's the alternative just for him to be hands off? I don't want him hands off in my life. So I was working on that. I began to think about something that happened three years ago. It's been years since I've been praying, Lord, I want to see a move of God in our church. And yes, he's worked miracles. He's done things that have brought us to the place that we're at now. And it's been an incredible journey. I've seen things that I never thought I would see. But for years I've been praying, Lord, I want you to pour out your spirit. Lord, I want you to have your way. I want you to transform lives. I want us to follow through and be your children and fulfill everything that you desire to do in this place. This is not my place. This is not, I'm not building my kingdom. I'm not, uh, your, it's your kingdom. Multiple times, I know this is silly, but this is just my little things. Multiple times I've said, Lord, you're the shepherd. I'm just the sheepdog. I'm the one that tries to keep everybody herded in the right direction. You're the shepherd. This isn't my thing. This is your thing. But I've been praying for years. Lord, I want to see a move of God. I want you to pour out your spirit. I want to see things happen. I read what happens in the early church, and I want to see those things in operation in our church today. And I've been praying for that. But three years ago, on September 9th, 2018, I was asked a question that knocked me back on my heels a little bit. And the reason I know that date was because that the question was so impactful that I created a, a Word document that I filed away in my computer so that I could revisit it from time to time. Have you ever had one of those moments that, that somebody comes, somebody that you trust and know, somebody that you know that really knows how to pray, somebody you know that, that is a true follower of Christ, that, that, that you know, if, let me tell you something. If you're in my position, or probably many of you too, you will have people that come to you that say they have a word from the Lord. And sometimes they're, they're on the money, and sometimes you kind of follow away, well, we'll see. But have you ever had that moment where when somebody's speaking, the Spirit confirms in your spirit that what they're saying is accurate and right and that you need to listen? 
And this was one of those moments for me. I'd been praying, like I said, been praying for a move of God. And th- I mean, almost three years ago, because here we are, September 9th of 2018. So we're talking three years in just a couple of weeks. And the question was asked. The oddest thing, I mean, it happened literally right over here in this aisle right here following a service one Sunday. And I was stopped and I was asked this question. The Lord wants to know, are you sure? You know, and my first reaction was, duh. (laughs) Why do you think I've been praying for this? But then she followed it up with this. She said, it's not going to be an easy journey, and you need to count the cost. Then she said, it starts with you. How many know that it's easy to pray, Lord, send revival, and when he says, oh, well, we've got to start right here. You know, well, baby. You know. Are you sure? She said, it's going to get, it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and here's the kicker. And you may never truly be comfortable again. How many know we like comfort? Just like you, I like comfort. I like things to be smooth and easy. But then she went on to say, but it will be satisfying in ways you cannot imagine. That caused me to do something. That kind of knocked me back. That question, are you sure? Count the cost. You know what I did? I didn't just say, yeah, I'm sure. I went back and I documented all this. And I sit down. And for several days, I prayed over that every day. Lord, am I sure? Because just like anybody else, I like to be comfortable. I knew what that meant. I knew that that meant the potter's wheel. I knew that that meant he was going to apply some pressure in some sensitive areas. So I prayed and prayed, Lord, am I sure? You know where I ended up? Lord, I have to be sure. What's the alternative? Your hands off? What's the alternative? Lives aren't changed? What's the alternative? I miss out on something that you desire to do in my life? And I came to the point, it may be uncomfortable. I may not like it. I may have to change some things that I'm very, very comfortable with. You may cause me to to let go of some things that I've really become attached to. You may, no telling what this is going to look like, but I came to the conclusion is I have to be sure. There is no other alternative. My turn to be that you're just hands off. So I came to the conclusion... Yes, Lord, I'm sure. Do what you have to do. See, the decision is the same for all of us on some level. For each and every one of us, there are things we long to be a part of on one level, but he's going to come along and he says, are you sure? I'll answer this. 
I'm not going to leave you out there. This isn't a prayer that you're going to pray that I'm not going to answer. But the question is, are you ready to spend some time on the potter's wheel? Because we're very good at saying, Lord, I want you to be hands on this circumstance. Oh, don't touch that. If he's going to do a work in our life, it's going to be transformative. There's going to be pressure in areas that we don't like. There are things that are going to have to change that we become pretty attached to, and it's going to be uncomfortable. But what's the alternative? Stay comfortable, but stay as we are, unfinished. See, he longs to mold us. He longs to transform us. We cry out at times, God, something has got to change. Yet we complain when he puts his hands on us and begins to work those things out. See, we need to be moldable in his hands. Next couple of verses, this encounter that Jeremiah has. He says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter? Says the Lord. Look as the clay is in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. See, to truly see our circumstances altered, we must be willing to let him be the hands of change in our life. He's got to transform us. He's got to do his work. He is a God of transformation in us. He longs to change each and every one of us as individuals. He longs to change us collectively as a church. He wants to get us out into the community. He wants people's lives to be touched. He wants to put the pressure on us to change us and to remold us so that even those around us that may not even believe us are like, what's going on with you? I see something different. There is something that's happening. When the world's blowing up around and we're still standing there with a smile on our face, okay, what's up with you? Either you're crazy or something's going on. We say, well, a little bit of both. See, he's a God of transformation. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but like I said, what's the alternative? I mean, he longs to transform us, to change us, to align us with his hands and and so forth, applying pressure to our out-of-balance ways. You ever seen something on a potter's wheel that gets out of balance? It begins to wobble, next thing something goes flying off. There are things in our lives at times that get out of balance. And we don't want him to touch them, but he knows the disaster that's going to happen down the line if he doesn't get that stuff in balance. And he begins to apply the pressure in the places. We're like, oh, Lord, I don't like that. Oh, Lord, that hurts. I told the Lord just this week, I was really re-praying over things again. And, and just this caused me to kind of revisit that. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, I said, I need you to transform me. I want you to transform me. I want you to apply the I want you to do in me what you need to do to get where we need to go. You, you go ahead and do it. Now, I'm warning you right now, I'm probably going to complain at times. You're going to start working. I'm like, ow, don't do that. I said, just ignore me and keep going. That's where we got to get as a people. 
Because he wants to balance our perspective. He wants to get us, he wants to see new, new ways and clearer visions and, and meet the needs of him that he desires to work out in us. And then I had this thought hit me. The areas we complain the most about him touching is the place that needs the most work. If that spot's sensitive, that's the place he needs to work on. And we need to let him. I had this thought. One of these days, and I'm very serious here, one of these days we're all at the end going to stand before him. And we're going to have to give an account. And I picture the question this way. What did you do with my son that gave his life for you? I don't want to answer that question. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood. You made me so comfortable. Is that really what we want to answer? Is our comfort that important? Can we not get past the point? Can we not get to the place where it's like, Lord, my comfort is secondary? How many know that, that we, t- we tend to equate comfort with peace, but they're two separate things? We want comfort, but what we need is the peace that passes understanding. And even when we're walking through those uncomfortable moments, we know who holds us in his hands. We know that he's still got us. We know that he's walking with us, that we can be at peace when there is turmoil going on all around us. I would rather have that than be comfortable. See, I believe... If we pray and we ask, we'll see areas. You know, let me ask you. I, I, I truly believe this. I don't know what it's going to look like or how it's going to work. We'll find out when we get there. But can you imagine? None of us are perfect. I believe we're all at some point going to see what he worked out in our lives. And it's going to be beautiful. There's no doubt about it. We're going to be thankful for every fingerprint he put on us. We're going to be thankful for everything he's done. But I guarantee you, every one of us, there will be some area that if we had just submitted a little more, could have been even more glorious. I think there's going to be a little bit of a revelation of what we could have been and where we end up is going to be great. But I think there's going to be a level of regret of the areas that we held on to and said, Lord, don't touch that. And that'll be an area of regret forever. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this, this, this statement I'm about to make, I'm not saying that this is theologically correct or something. I don't want anybody to get upset and come at me later and say, but I had this thought. We know there are going to be regrets over perhaps somebody we didn't share the gospel with or some things like that, okay? And there's probably going to be some areas, you know, that we may even say, you know, Man, if only I had submitted a little bit more in this area. 
Like I said, don't, don't stone me for saying this, but I wonder where it says he will wipe away every tear if some of those tears that he wipes away will be our regrets for the things that we didn't allow him to put his fingerprints on our lives in. I, I'm telling you, God is doing something in me, and I'm saying, Lord, I, I'm not, like I told him, I'm going to complain. I like my stuff sometimes the way I got it. But Lord, do what you got to do. If I complain, just keep on working. Lord, I surrender. Work it out in my life. Do what you need to do to transform me into what you need for me to be. Because there's a world that needs to be touched. They need to see that this thing is real. That we're not going through some motions. We're not playing some game. We're not blind to the things that are going on in this world. We're not, we're not ignorant of the things that are transpiring. But we know who our future belongs to. And I am selling out to let him do what he needs to do. And we need to be of people that walk forward in that. I'm going to end this morning with the last few verses here in this segment, verse 7 through 12. This is pretty powerful in itself. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to tear down, and to destroy it, If that nation against who I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Then he flips it. He says, In the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. Now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And then here's the last part. This really jumped off the page at me. And they said, this is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans, and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. Thought I want to end this with is a very simple thought. It's not hopeless. We can look around all over. We see everything that's happening in the world. And it's easy for us as believers to almost say, well, you know what? I'm just going to hold on tight to the trumpet sounds. We mistakenly think where he says to occupy until I come. It's like to find something to keep us occupied, busy until he comes. Kind of like when you toss a kid a phone in the back seat so they can watch videos. They'll just be quiet for a little bit. That's not what he intended for us to do. When we say, when he said to occupy, you know, that's more of like the military term to go and take new territory, to be active and to accomplish things until he comes for us. It's not hopeless. 
Oh, we know. He's clearly defined some things that are going to happen. We know where the world is headed. We know what's going to happen. We know a lot of these things that are going to be laid out. But guess what? There are still individual lives that we can impact. There's individuals who can be transformed because of the transformation and process of us. That they see what is happening, they can be brought into the kingdom. And, you know, years ago, I, I, I did a message that was kind of a little goofy, but it still applies. What's greater than heaven and worse than hell? Taking somebody with you when you go. I know my destination. It may be hopeless for a lot of people, but there are some that will hear the word. I still believe with all my heart that there is a counterbalance outpouring of his spirit that it's on the way that we're beginning to feel the beginnings of. You know, the last few Wednesday nights, we've ended up talking as our group has met on Wednesday nights, and it's, it's so exciting. I feel it. I know Chris and Phil, others in the, in the church, in our board and staff, feels it, but hear other people that are saying there is something that's happening. I'm showing up at church now with a level of expectation. And so I believe that there many of us know that there is something just around the corner. I'm past the point of saying, you know, Lord, I hope or Lord, please, it is coming and it's going to happen. And I believe it's soon. So there's, we can't say there's no hope, it's no use. Yes, it's bad out out there, but it is not hopeless. We are never without hope. See, I love this with this passage. See, this whole passage we just read, it basically said, God says, you know what? Here's the thing. I reserve the right to change my mind. I can make a promise. I'm going to deal with these people. You just watch. But when they repent... Kind of like Jonah sitting on the sideline. Lord, I knew if I came to speak that these people, he wanted judgment for them. But they repented. And God relented. See, again and again, our choices determine his work in and through us. This includes how we respond to the offer of forgiveness. You know, God's blessings and his promises and his judgments are conditional all throughout Scripture. Yes, there are things that in his sovereignty that he has declared and they will come to pass. We know judgment is coming. We know salvation is coming. That one of these days that trumpet is going to sound and his people are going to be called out of here. And this is not the place you want to be after that happens. Trust me, it's pretty spelled out. But you, there are things that he declared, but he also declared the outpouring of his spirit. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Many of us believe and feel that there's something coming, and there is. And he's righteous, and he's just. And he with releases and withholds blessing as mercy and mercy. But the question is, we pray, we sing, we worship, 
We talk about him being the great I am. We say we want a hands-on God. So why are there areas that we say, but don't touch this? We've got to get past that. It's time to step out and to be his people. This world doesn't need people that are just pacifying until he comes back. It needs people that will let him mold them and transform them to the point that you do things you thought you never would do. There is no relationship. There's no financial gain. There's no anything that is worth holding on to if it is in the way of him making you into be what he desires for you to be. It's not worth it. Never has been, never will be. We must submit to the uncomfortableness of his hands applying pressure where pressure needs to be applied. I'm going to ask for some music in the background. This morning, there is no fluffy prayer I can lead you in This is going to do that in our lives. This sitting, I raise my hand and 30 seconds I'm good and out the door trying to beat everybody else to the line at whatever I'm going for dinner, lunch. As individuals, we all, I believe, need to ask ourselves some very serious questions. Oh, trust me, I'd love to come in here and preach something. We're all jumping up and shouting. We all live, woo, wasn't that great? But what we need is the sovereign presence of a holy God that we fall so far short of who he is to come and for there to be a heaviness of his presence and his spirit that will bring us to the place where we're like, Lord, I surrender all. It's all yours. It doesn't do with me what you need to do with me. We've got to reach that place. We see the headlines. We see everything that's going on in the world around us. And you can, all, you can flip towards the back of the book and you can almost say, yep, 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 yep. Now's not the time to play games. To coast. To be comfortable. Your best life isn't now. It's later. But it can be incredible now. As was said to me, it, it, it's going to be uncomfortable. You may never, you submit to this, you may never be comfortable again. But as I said, it's going to be so rewarding beyond anything you can imagine. So we all have to ask that question to ourselves. Are you sure? I, for one, have made the determination. Yes, Lord, I'm sure. Because what's the alternative? 
never want him to remove his hands from my life. You know, I'm, this, this is a bragging thing, but I'm, I'm pretty good. God's done a lot of things in my life. He's brought me a long way. It'd be easy to stop and say, you know, right here is pretty comfortable. Because, you know, our, our church is solid. It's, it's strong. It's, it's great people. I don't face a lot of stress on a day-to-day basis. All oh, there's things that we're busy at times being there to care for this person, praying with that person, and there's, there's stuff to do. It's, it's busy, but, but I, I, love, I love what I do. But I can't sit here and stay comfortable. We all need to get to that place. We say, yes, Lord, I'm sure. know what that looks like for you. Maybe you want to spend a moment at the altar. Maybe you want to even just turn and kneel where you're at or lean on the chair in front of you. But I believe that this is something that every single one of us, no matter whether you've done this for 10 minutes or 10 hundred years, guess that's not possible but and we say Lord yes yes I'm sure I know it's going to be uncomfortable I know that there are going to be moments that I'm going to squeal and I'm going to complain and I'm going to say Lord don't touch that area but Lord give me the fortitude and the strength to press on and to stay still and let you do your work in my life because there is no other answer there is no other way there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved so Lord may I never say hands off I don't want to ever have that moment like Samson had he got so used to the spirit moving on his behalf and there's that moment where the Philistines came and it says he got up and went to shake himself like before and he didn't even realize that the Holy Spirit had departed I never want to be there so Lord if the potter's wheel is the way I keep those hands on me then so be it challenge you this morning settle that answer in your spirit to the question are you sure I'm going to ask Steve-O to lead us and I challenge you to answer that question your own way this morning right now before you walk out the door Settle it.